0: Welcome to the BJU Press Teacher Edition Podcast, where Christian educators are encouraged and inspired as we bring you interviews, practical ideas, strategies, and answer your questions about teaching in today's culture. And here's your host, Jenny Copeland.
1: Chat, GPT, Dolly, Bing, Bard. These are names that we hear swirling around us daily with the rise of generative AI, But these are more than a passing fad. These are here to stay, and they are affecting our lives, our classrooms, and our students. As Christian educators, it is vital that we don't just jump to the teaching or maybe the banning, but that we take time for learning. It's important that we know what these tools are so that we can make wise decisions for our schools and classrooms. And that's exactly what we're going to do in today's episode. We're going to jump into AI and do a little scratching of the surface as we talk about generative AI and how we can respond to that best and in a God-honoring way. But first, welcome to you, our listeners. Thank you for making the Teacher Edition podcast part of your day. As we get started today, just a quick reminder to take a minute to subscribe to the podcast. This will keep you notified when a new episode drops in so you won't miss a single episode. If you're enjoying the Teacher Edition podcast, we would greatly appreciate it if you would take a minute to leave us a positive rating. That really helps others find the show as well. If you have friends who aren't listening in, please share this podcast with them. And don't forget to follow us on social media. We are Teacher Edition Podcast on Facebook, and you can find us on Instagram and TikTok at Teacher Edition Pod. Once again, that's Teacher Edition Pod. If you haven't visited our website, go take a look it's teachereditionpodcast.com. While you're there, please leave us a question. We love sharing the questions here on the show. So please go on and record one even today. So as I mentioned, we're going to jump into AI, artificial intelligence today. Honestly, we could spend weeks on this topic. Actually, we could just create a whole other podcast just for this topic. I'm really excited to have Andrea Baer with us for today's conversation. I've crossed paths with Andrea a number of times over the past, I don't know, maybe 10 years, usually at educators' conferences, so I always enjoy attending Andrea's sessions. She's always so well-prepared and she's so practical. She's been a secondary teacher in Christian schools from Hawaii to North Carolina for 17 years. She has a master's degree in science education and loves teaching chemistry, biology, pre-calculus, and yearbook. That's quite the mixture there. On top of that, I have observed her love for educational technology, and that's often the topic when she speaks to teachers. And of course, today is going to be no exception. So, Andrea, I'm excited to dive in. Thanks for being with us today. Hello. Thank you for having me. I'm glad to be on. So, let's jump right into AI, artificial intelligence. And while this may be a big topic around us, I don't doubt for a minute that some of our listeners may just not be familiar with AI and more specifically, generative AI. So let's start with a definition to lay the groundwork for the discussion today. What would you say is generative AI? How do you define it?
0: Yeah, so I mean, AI has been around for a while. Uh, We've got Siri, Alexa we can talk to, Google Maps is using an AI to figure out the best route to your destination. Uh, Grammarly, even the autocomplete feature when you're trying to text your friend uh, is using AI. Those traditional types of AI take large amounts of information and try to come up with predictable patterns. Uh, The difference with this new type of AI, the generative AI, is that they've been trained on these large language models, LLMs, And it uses those to not only understand what you're saying, but kind of try to predict the next step and um, respond with a human-like conversation. Um, You've probably heard of the text-based AIs like ChatGPT, there's Google Bard, and a lot of others. Um, They're just trying to keep up with the conversation. Um, There's also programs that can generate images just out of the bank of images that it's been trained on. One of the ways that I heard it described was this traditional AI can do things that usually require human intelligence while the new generative AI is creating things that usually require human intelligence.
1: That's great. So to some, this may sound just like another Google, uh, maybe more powerful, maybe it has more results or it's faster. So how is ChatGPT or any of the other AI sites different than Google?
0: Well, I mean, there's a similarity in that they're, they're trained to answer a question. Um, they just go about a different way. So uh, Google search is looking at this huge index of websites that it's created up to things that have been added to the internet today. Um, ChatGPT has been trained on information, a lot of which is on the internet. The free version of ChatGPT, which is mostly the one that I'll be referencing, um, doesn't actually search the current internet. It only has been trained on information through September, 2021. You can use services uh, like the paid version of ChatGPT or Google Bard that has more up-to-date information, um, but it's limited in the very current information. So it can generate answers to a lot of questions, but maybe not current ones. Um, it can also come up with things that Google couldn't come up with, like a section of computer code or a poem, um, a conversation like we've said before. So like just for an example, uh, you could ask take two different questions like, what's the traffic in New York City or how do planes stay in the air? Uh, Google would probably be a better choice for the traffic in New York City because it could show you a map of the traffic right now with the red, lots of red. If you ask ChatGPT that question, it's going to say that it it can't tell you because it doesn't have access to the current internet. But ChatGPT can remember a conversation like a human would and Google doesn't. So you could ask it follow-up questions like, well, what is the uh, traffic typically like, and you know, we'll talk about the congestion and, and things like that. With the questions that we often ask Google, like, can you explain how a plane flies in the air, something that came up with a friend and you want to Google it. Um, Google is sur- surfacing websites and it gives you links to websites and it tries to highlight information on those websites that it thinks is the answer. It's not always right, um, but it tries to do that, but it's just existing information that presents it to you. ChatGPT answers as if you had asked a human that probably knew the answer to that question. So it's a more conversational tone. Um, It would give a fuller explanation. You don't have to dig through websites to see what really is the answer. And you can continue the conversation. You can follow up and say, okay, that's great, but could you explain it more simply, or give me an analogy, explain it to me like I'm five, or write a two-page paper on this as a high school level uh, of reading. So that would be a little bit of the differences between just searching on Google and going to these uh, ChatGPT kind of websites. Okay, that's really
1: helpful. So as with any new tools or resources, they're going to quickly find their way into education. For some, the impact is limited, but AI seems to be far reaching. How do you think that AI changes the roles and responsibilities of educators?
0: Well, uh, one fear that I've heard is that This is the kind of tool that would replace teachers, um, that they wouldn't be needed anymore. There's these sites that can interact uh, with students like their personal tutor, which they can to a certain extent. Uh, I don't think that's the case. I mean, think about what we what we had during the pandemic. We sent all our kids home for remote learning. And at the time, some people thought this might be the wave of new learning. We have this abundance of video lessons, these websites that can talk students through problems. They're going to do fine. They're going to excel. And I've, I know we found with the students at our school that that is not the case. They have gaps in their learning from that, just those few months of, of remote time that we're still trying to deal with. Um, so these kind of technologies are not going to replace the personal connection that teachers can make with students and the instantaneous judgment that, that teachers have um, that really powers student learning, the motivation uh, to not just cheat and, and do things like that as well. I think that these tools give teachers instead a powerful set of features that they can use to teach students to think about their thinking. Um, Let let me try it this way. When we as teachers first approach a new lesson that we're teaching, we usually ask what are the skills and the objectives that we're trying to develop in that student, usually critical thinking in some way, analytical reasoning, communication skills, and mastery of the individual subject. Um, And then we map those skills to the lesson plans, we make assignments um, that will test and assess their mastery of those different kinds of skills. Over time, as we implement that lesson plan and then use it over the years, uh, I know that I could tend to forget about the original thought process that went into that lesson. I focus on the end product, Oh, we've got to take this quiz this day and then leading up to the test next week. the assessment is all we care about we need to go back and think about the critical thinking skills and this chat gpt is going to give us an opportunity to do that because we might not be able to rely on the end product that they give us um in in some cases so the fact that they can blindly produce the end result um just go back recraft your lesson plans and um make sure the assignments and the process leading up to the end result are still developing those skills, possibly incorporating AI along the way uh, as it becomes a more mature product. So you have laid the groundwork for what AI is and how it affects education.
1: Now let's take this right into the classroom and make it really practical. For educators who are listening to this episode, how can they start familiarizing themselves with this type of technology?
0: Well, I would say Start by making the stakes really low, something very easy, because as you start to search for um, the different things, uh, you're going to you're going to get overwhelmed. So let's let's take it simple. Let's go to ChatGPT or Google Bard, whichever one you've heard of. Um, How do you get to them? Well, they're websites, there's some apps that can interface with them. But I would suggest just opening up a browser uh, and searching for ChatGPT or Google Bard and Google search, will the the top result will probably be what you want. Uh, The specific URL for ChatGPT is chat.openai.com. That'll let you know you're at the right place. Um, From that point, you're gonna have to make an account because uh, these websites have certain age requirements and things like that. I just chose to sign in with a Google account. It's very quick. And then you can just ask it a question. There's a text field like there is on Google and you can ask it, you know, what should I make for dinner tonight? And then start a dialogue, respond to it and see how it can refine the things that it's giving you. When I asked it that question, it gave me a list of 10 different ideas. I said, okay, that's great. Uh, Maybe let's try the fish tacos, but make them with shrimp and uh, give me a recipe. And it listed out an entire recipe for it. And I said, that looks nice, but let's make the recipe for two people instead of six people and make it spicier or something, you know, just have a conversation with it. Something simple, not related to what you do. And, um, and you'll get a feel for how it responds and interacts. Now, these Questions that you're putting into ChatGPT are called prompts. So as you get more familiar with it, that's the kind of search term you'll want to use. What prompts can I use with ChatGPT? But that's your first simple prompt. What should I make for dinner? And I think it is really important for teachers to at least go and start that first simple step and expose themselves to the technology, whether they think they're going to use it a lot or not. So educators are great at borrowing and great at adapting.
1: So we're really comfortable with borrowing great ideas and taking something, even something that's intended for another purpose and adapting it to be useful in our classroom. So what are some ways
0: that teachers could actually use AI in their daily work? Okay, so to me, this is where it gets really exciting. Um, the most exciting part of our conversation because there's so many things that it can do. There's so many websites that are, that are coming out uh, with specific teacher focused AI prompts. Um, one category that it could help you with is your planning and your administrative tasks. So for instance, and this might be where you wanna get a pen and paper, listeners, and write some of these things down, Um, it could generate a lesson plan. You could tell it what the topic is, ask it for a lesson plan with activities, you could tell you have a 45 minute time limit, this is for sixth grade, list the objectives for that unit, Uh, tell it your class size to take that into account when it's giving you ideas for the activities and it can generate all of that whole list more detailed. And again, you could respond to it and refine what it's giving you if it's not quite what you want. You could take the topic for this chapter and put it in and ask it for 10 bell ringer questions. So you have those for the next two weeks or an exit ticket. You could put in an assignment that you've created and ask it to make a rubric for that assignment. Um, You could have it... create a list of discussion questions or writing prompts. Um, You could put in a reading passage for your class and ask it to change the reading level of that passage. You can even put in a Lexile score if you know what that is. I'm not an English teacher, but if you have a student with an IEP and you want them to be able to participate in the same discussion as the other students, that might be a useful um, case for you to change the reading level. You could have it write an email for you, at least write the first draft of an email. You got a field trip and a Uh, coming up in the next month, you need to send out an email to your parents It can help you draft that if you're not uh, a writer. Uh, You can put in an email or something that you've already written and ask it to change the tone of that writing, make it more professional, check the grammar, things like that. There's some websites where you can ask it to create a presentation and you can feed it with just the topic or an outline of that topic. Um, The website that I saw this week is called gamma.app. And uh, you give it a topic and ask it to create a presentation. It'll show you the outline it intends to use, and then it'll actually build a slide presentation um, that you can use as a starting point. Another example, if you're a Bible teacher, and this this is a little scary possibly, but you could ask it to exegete a chapter in the Bible. Exegete James 1, explain it, James 1. It'll tell you what exegete is, and it'll break down the passage. You could have your students go look at it and see if, they think it was correct because there can be a bias and accuracy problems with ChatGPT that we're going to talk about later. Um, you can put it in an article and ask it to summarize it. You can ask it for a list of PE games this week. Will we have rain outside? What other games could I play? You know, continue the conversation that way. You could also use it in class with your students. Um, for instance, you can give it the certain prompts and have it uh, take on the persona of a historical figure or a literary character, and then have the students ask a question and it'll respond to you like it's Betsy Ross. Um, you could pull up Quizlet, which has a new AI feature called Q chat, and you can ask it to quiz you. You can ask it to, um, test your understanding, and then it'll, it'll take the information in the set that you've chosen and ask you extension questions that aren't just the basic definitions, uh, which is pretty cool. You could, uh, you can put in prompts to get it to debate a certain topic and then have your class, you know, come up with arguments. You put it in and, and see if they can debate with the, the chat. Um, Khan, Academy, Khan Academy has a new feature as well called Khan Migo, like Khan from Khan Academy and Migo from Amigo. And um, it's got some, it, it costs a little bit of money, but it has uh, prompts that are against specific that teachers or, or students would want to use. Uh, where ChatGPT is just general and sometimes you're like, what do I put in? Uh, with any of these ideas, you do have to learn a little bit how to use it. The way that you word your questions matters, sort of like Google. Um, I heard an analogy is a little bit talking like uh, like talking to a middle schooler and you're trying to figure out what happened. So you've got you to gotta be specific um, with your wording and uh, just have it worded the right way to get the responses you want. And again, you can adjust your wording to try to adjust the output. Um, So I know that was a lot of ideas. Um, One starting point, I mean, my suggestion would be to go to ChatGPT and and just try some of the basic questions, generate a lesson plan for, and then tell it your topic and grade level. Um, You could search for prompts for teachers and put in your specific subject level or grade area and try to use prompts that people have already fine-tuned or you could go to a website uh, with AI tools that are specific for teachers that you may or may not have to pay for, uh, but it might uh, save you some headache with with how to get started. So something like lessonlab.ai, lessonlab. You can try it free for a week, and it's got all sorts of ideas, like the ones that I mentioned, um, that you can see just right on the homepage. So just start simple, um, maybe start with searching for prompts that people already have, but it can do a lot for you. That's fantastic. That's a huge list.
1: Thank you, Andrea. That's great. And I love how you gave ideas from all different um, categories and all different subjects. That's fantastic. And I love the analogy of the middle schooler as well. That's, That's perfect. That's a great visual. Thank you for that. So it's no secret that students are very well aware of tools as well. New tools, new resources, and no doubt they all know about AI as well. So quite often, and sadly, they find it before we do. So share with us some ways that students are using AI, and it could be for good or bad.
0: Well, I mean, the first thing I would say is that, yes, they are already using it. It's not going to do any good to ignore uh, the existence of these new tools. One of the ways that I noticed them using it this past spring is that they're just chatting with it. Uh, I had students come in and I was overhearing them talking about AI and their friends were like, oh, just ask the AI. And I'm like, what are you guys talking about? And there is a new chat bot in Snapchat, the, the app Snapchat, their list of friends and then there's AI and they can chat with the AI as if they were the same way they would chat with one of their friends. Um, which was just crazy to me. So when they talk about asking the AI or chatting with the AI, that might be what they mean. But they do also know about ChatGPT and some of the things that it can do. Um, They're quickly learning that it can help them anywhere from brainstorming ideas and coming up with outlines for their assignments to asking it to write a two-page paper on the life of Abraham Lincoln. So they know some of, and they're using it anywhere in those range. They know some of those uses. Um, There are some positive uses, I think, that we could get to the point of students using it. Um, I mentioned Quizlet's new QChat feature, so they're looking at one of the sets for their classes. If their account shows that they're 16 years or older, they'll see a button for QChat that they can um, have it quiz them like they had a study partner or act like a tutor, which some of them can do as well. They can put in their essays that, that they're working on and ask it for feedback, not ask it to write for them, but ask it for feedback. They have to be careful if they're using that, depending on what their school allows, uh, it it could trigger a detector or something like that. But that's some of the ways that students are already using these AI. Yeah,
1: and I appreciate that you mentioned the age limit, because obviously we want to be aware and sensitive to those as well. So I can't help but think, but when Google came out and Siri, there was panic. Students will never do their own work. No one will think on their own and on and on. And we had to adjust and we had to guide and we had to instruct. And now Google and Siri are just in every part of our day. We understand that there are misuses, but for the most part, these tools have settled in as everyday life and students use them as needed. And I mean, really, when a noun becomes a verb, it's everyday life, right? We just Google things now. So if you're familiar with the Gartner Um, hype scale for technology you can see how we lived through that high visibility so on the scale you know with the high visibility as soon as it comes out and everybody's all over it we have all these expectations and then it kind of drops way low as we realize oh there are things that it cannot do and then it hits a plateau of productivity so generative AI is still riding that wave of high visibility and high expectations And this is a really crucial time for educators. It's a time to be informed. It's a time to guide students to use this tool with integrity and in a God-honoring way. So share with us your thoughts on what are some ideas of how we can engage with students about how to use this responsibly?
0: Uh, Well, I would say that the initial response that we have is you can't use it at all or you're cheating is is not gonna last very long and probably not the most innovative way to address the problem, at least with older students. you know, there might be certain uses of it that are very useful to them. Uh, I watched a webinar uh, just this week on what students want you to know about AI. And it had three high school age students who were um, very motivated students and were already using AI a lot. And some of their thoughts to, straight from high schoolers mouth was uh, they said banning it would do more harm than good. Um, you know, there's if students who want to use it, they'll go home and use it anyway. Um On the other hand, they also, since they're motivated students, they recognize that just starting a project with the students using ChatGPT is not the best solution either. They know that they need to develop critical thinking skills, and they know that this is the kind of tool that could bypass that, that could get them into the state of cognitive offload. And so they know that they need to develop those thinking skills, and they want to learn how to use these tools without sacrificing their learning of the skills. Now, not all of my students would have said it that way. I don't have 100% motivated students, but you know, the ones who are, are aware of what's happening, uh, that's the kind of thoughts that they have. Um, I think a good analogy is uh, when the calculator first came out. Um, that was a very disruptive technology like this one um, seems to be. You could do these basic, even advanced calculations just very, very quickly. And the first response was to just ban it. Um, And now we're at a place where we've incorporated it. We found that it changed math education, but it didn't make math education unnecessary. And I think we're gonna find the same thing with ChatGPT and our language skills and thinking skills in our education. Students with the calculator still need to start with the basics of addition and subtraction and master those before we let them hand it off uh, to the technology. And I think that that is gonna be a good policy for technology like ChatGPT. In our school, the students don't even bring calculator until they're in middle school. And as we're incorporating generative AI, the first uh, way that we can help students use it responsibly is to understand that it is age appropriate, uh, like we said with the QChat. There's age restrictions on these websites. We need to, to honor those. I think some of the age restrictions might change. The websites understand that it's not a mature technology yet, so they're a little bit higher. Uh, The chat GPT that I've been referencing the most is 13 plus. That's the youngest age that I've seen. And it says it needs parent permission if the uh, kid is under 18. And they would judge that based on the account you're trying to log in with. It would ask you your age or you're logging in with Google and it has your age. Google Bard is for 18 plus. So that's higher. QChat right now on Quizlet is 16 plus. I mentioned Khan Academy has a new Khan Migo. Which looks very interesting, but right now it's 18 plus as well. Um, So look at the age limits for the things if you're gonna have your students incorporate it and let them know that those are age restrictions and that they have a purpose. Um, The second thing I think that we need to address with our students is uh, we and they need to understand the limitations of this AI. As soon as you log into ChatGPT, it tells you that it has limitations. It tells you that it doesn't have up-to-date information if you're on the free version. It says that it can generate some information that's inaccurate or biased. Uh, It's also not very good with math problems right now. Um, Some of the word problems, if it hasn't seen it before, it can come up with incorrect answers. Um, So you, you can't trust what it puts out, especially if you're asking it to create a book report or generate a paper or something like that. There's um, a now famous case of a lawyer in May who submitted an affidavit to a judge on uh, why his case could be should be dismissed. Um, you know, that his client was being sued, here's why it should be dismissed. And the uh, affidavit quoted several different cases, had details of, of previous cases, you know, and as reasons that it should be thrown out. And the judge and the opposing lawyers were looking in and, and found they couldn't find these cases. And so they asked the guy, and he's like, well, I had ChatGPT help me write it. And ChatGPT came up with these cases, and he asked ChatGPT if they were real. And it was like, oh, yeah, and here's the details about the cases and quotes about the cases. Um, and I've heard of other examples like that as well. So you, th- that's a very important thing to uh, address with the students is maybe that's an activity you have. We're going to go and find the source of the information that's trying to tell us we're going to fact check it. Uh, as an activity or something like that. Uh, whatever you decide as the use case for chat GPT or not in your classroom, I think that we need to start the school year off being very clear in our expectations and the restrictions both with the students and with the parents, because I've heard uh, cases in the past uh, year, the past school year of a parent being very excited about how this new chat GPT was gonna be able to help them uh, have the, with their first graders' assignment to come up with a little one-minute speech, or their sixth graders' history essay. They were so excited that it can help them with that. We need to be aware that student, that students and parents may not realize how that is cheating and plagiarism. It's not another person, but they're they're not to present other, uh, um, they're not to present ideas that aren't their own and in their own words, even if it's made by a thing, not a person. Um. If you're going to restrict it entirely, I think it's a good idea to explain why it's restricted. I'll get more back to that in a second. And based on your class and what's coming up um, in their future academics, uh, just understand it might already be restricted. Uh, On the AP College Board website, um, the guideline for this past school year was that students are categorically prohibited from using any artificial intelligence tools like ChatGPT or essay writing services to guide, brainstorm, draft, or create student work. So it's not just that they couldn't use it to, hey, write this essay. They couldn't use it to, hey, help me brainstorm ideas for this essay. Help me come up with an outline. They're not supposed to do that either. So if you're teaching an AP class, you can't have them doing that in your AP class. Um, I spoke to a college professor who's on the graduate level of a large Christian university. And, uh, you know, they have it written into their text as well that AI aids like ChatGPT. And don't just say ChatGPT because they'll say, oh, I didn't use it, but they used Google Bard or something else. Um, They should not be used to generate content that is submitted for credit in a course. And there's ways that we can check for plagiarism. They're not all 100%. These large universities, like the professor I talked to, had access to Turnitin. And it usually does pretty well, uh, he said, with not generating false positives, at least. Um, There's other free versions that lower uh, educators can use who don't have access to that kind of paid technology, something like ChatGPT0. But I have found a lot of posts that say it's proved to be inaccurate. You know, this is still a maturing technology and detecting it is maturing. I think that you going yourself and starting to use the technology. If you assigned a paper to your class about Abraham Lincoln, go ask ChatGPT to write a two-page paper about Abraham Lincoln and ask it to reword it and get an idea for the kind of outputs that it has so you can maybe recognize it. Um, Some of the policies that I've seen with teachers that are trying to check for plagiarism are, uh, you know, you go back to the idea of having students write in-class essays. And if If not for every single assignment at least at the beginning of the year so you can build a file on the students that you have especially if you haven't had them before uh, to establish their writing style when you know it's them uh, and their uh, writing ability level so that you can judge future assignments that come in and maybe if they come in and you uh, suspect that it's ai generated or helped you could say okay if we suspect it we're going to ask you about it we're going to ask you to come in and." orally summarize your paper uh, and the ideas in it to just double check. I mean, to to be honest, language uh, teachers and and math teachers have been dealing with this for a while, with things like Google Translate and Photomath. Um, So I feel like it's a little bit like, okay, history and English teachers, welcome to the party, welcome to the conversation. You really are gonna have to address um, the balance between the proper use of technology with your students. with these new tools, and I think it all it really goes back to explaining to them why are we why are we doing this assignment? I'm not having you write a page, two page paper on Abraham Lincoln because the world really needs a great paper on Abraham Lincoln. You know, we're going to read it once, we're going to mark it, and then it's gone. The point of that paper was for the student to learn a little bit about a subject, have a little bit of mastery, more mastery than they did in that subject, but also, to develop analytical skills and research skills and communication uh, skills to show you what they've learned and if we keep emphasizing and going back and explaining to students this is why we're doing what we're doing that can help them realize the how they're just hurting themselves when they they use these kind of tools i know not all students listen to that um, but it is something that's important there are a lot of students who can understand it Um, and incorporate it into the way that they start to approach using this ChatGPT as they get out into the world. Um, So if you're you're a history or an English teacher that's used to giving a research paper or an essay or a book report, um, you might want to start rethinking the way that you assign it or how you assess it along the way um, so that you can guide the students into either not using it or whatever the allowed use of it um, that you've explained to them. Yes,
1: Yeah, that's very helpful. I love how you pointed out, too, that every teacher has to establish for their classroom what is appropriate use and then communicate that. Um, I think Boy, it's probably been a few months ago I was following an educational technology conference, and one of the speakers was Matt Miller, well-known. He ditched that textbook and a number of other resources that he's created in his website, and he shared out a graphic which became, I think, the most shared Um, graphic from the entire conference. And what it was, was like a compendium of, okay, going from all the way at the top to the bottom. And one, you know, the top or the bottom is either you use nothing to do this assignment other than a pencil paper in your head. (laughs) And the other is I had chat GPT or similar program, do my entire assignment for me. And where within, you know, that zone, are you going to land in your classroom and what is appropriate for your classroom? And then Share that out with them. Be very clear so they know what the expectations are. And that really does take some time to sit down and think what is going to be appropriate for my subject, for your age level. And of course, you know, as we've talked about keeping in mind those age limits. So we're wrapping up this episode. And typically at the conclusion of our episodes, we answer an audience question. As we wrap up this episode, I would like to ask you a question that I get asked very often when I speak. And specifically when I speak about technology and maybe more specifically about cheating with technology is, should I just block these things at my school? Now, you kind of touched on it a few minutes ago. You kind of wandered in there. So maybe if we can loop back around to that. So in this situation, should we just block chat GPT and other similar sites at our schools? What are your thoughts? Does that solve the issue? Helpful?
0: Yes or no? I mean, that's definitely a question that I've heard as well. And it's come up on uh, you know the Facebook groups that I follow with these kind of topics and um, you know, that w- that was the first reaction of a lot of schools and school districts last year. ChatGPT came out around November of uh, last year. And uh, if you're going to still have that as your policy this year, I can understand that. But I-, I would just say I think that it's a very temporary solution and not a complete solution because students are aware of these tools, they're already using them. They recognize that they can have value to increase their efficiency and use them in a right way, but doesn't feel like cheating to them and might not be cheating. Again, if it's within what we um, the expectations that we set from the beginning. So I think we need to look toward embracing and figuring out how to work these tools into our education, especially for the older students who are allowed to use it and going into the next stage of their life or their education. Um, it does take a little bit of a skill to use it effectively and to use it without um, the, the plagiarism or just copying. And uh, I wouldn't expect these students to go out on a golf course and learn golf all by themselves. They're gonna develop bad habits. They're gonna have improper technique that's gonna hurt them from trying to learn it later. Uh, I think this is the same way. It's a, it's, it's a technique that needs to be learned and controlled. And uh, if we just ban it, we we forfeit that opportunity. Um, Like I said before, this is a disruptive technology. I think it's a very useful and powerful technology for educators if we uh, approach it uh, with a biblical mindset, with discernment and the kind of things that it's putting out. Um, But it's a technology that is disrupting not only education, it's disrupting every industry. I saw a quote from Bill Gates from March of this year uh, that the development AI is as fundamental to the as the creation of the microprocessor, the personal computer, the internet, and the mobile phone. This is Bill Gates. It will change the way people work, learn, travel, get healthcare, and communicate with each other. Entire industries will reorient around it. So if we're gonna remain relevant as educators who are preparing these students to experience God's best for their lives, like uh, our school theme says, um, then I think that we need to think about how to train them for the jobs that they're going to have in 10 years that don't exist right now. I mean, think about jobs now that didn't exist when you were in school or 10 years ago, looking back. Um, There's skills that they need to develop that we can develop in them now for the unknown future that they're going to face. And that's part of our job as educators to help them with that. Yeah, I agree completely. If you block it at school, they're going
1: to use it at home. So it really isn't a strong solution, you know, back to the initial question. And it's just so important that we as educators respond wisely instead of react defensively. And this is a tool that's not going to go away. As you've said so many times throughout this episode, it will be a part of these students' lives now and even more in the future. And what a tremendous opportunity we have as Christian educators to speak into their lives at this point in their growth and development and guide them to use it in an ethical and a God-honoring way. So Andrea... Thank you so much for a great episode, so informative. We really couldn't get more current or practical and what you shared was right on the mark of um, what we're facing in classrooms and in the world around us. So it was great having you on the show, thanks so much. Glad to be here. Thank you for joining us today. I hope you were challenged and encouraged as I definitely was. Remember to go to teachereditionpodcast.com to submit questions for upcoming episodes. Of course, be sure to subscribe to the podcast and follow us on social media. Now, it's time to get back to your day, but it's not just any day, because every day in your classroom is your day to impact and inspire through God's power and through His grace working in you. So go do what God has called you to do.